2: Hey everyone, welcome to A Good Football Show. I am Matt Straub. Today we are turning our focus once again to the NFL Draft, and we're going to be doing some rookie quarterback matchmaking coming up here in just a minute, projecting where the top quarterback prospects in the draft may end up and possibly the best fits for them. I am joined by Hayden Winks and Thorne Eystrom. Hayden, we haven't seen you in a couple weeks, and I would normally ask how your offseason's is going, but judging by the volume of columns you have up on the site in the last week or so, It seems like a long shot that you've even slept, let alone gotten some sort of break. Is that accurate?
3: Yeah, Josh Norris uh, quote tweeted one of my columns and said that he was glad I took one day off for the offseason. But yeah, for for you guys that don't know, I'm doing 32 offseason previews in 32 days. That was like basically the NFL graced me with like a three-day window if I fall behind before free agency starts. So going like top to bottom rosters, kind of team needs, fantasy outlooks, kind of start trying to hit everything in one scope. Um, so I'll be doing that. And then at the same time, I'm trying to be catching up on these prospects, but good thing we got Thor on.
2: I occasionally, when I'm writing like a basketball column, I'll do like a, a single column about like one note on all 30 teams. And that starts to feel like a massive thing. I mean, you must've reached a point where you're like, maybe this is a bad idea.
3: Ed, after the first one was like, are you sure you want to do this? I'm like, I'm kind of committed now. Like I've already set <laughs> yeah. the the standard. Yeah. I'm kind of committed now.
2: Yeah, You can't bail Thor. I, I want you to be straight up with this here. Do you like this time of year better than the actual NFL season? I'm just going to say a random week, okay? Just say week nine of the NFL season versus February 15th. Which one are you taking?
4: Well, I mean, the NFL season, no question. If it's college football season, that is a question. Um, But the NFL draft against the NFL, for me, for sure, the NFL draft. But, yeah, against college football, that's more of a question for me. But, man, I love NFL draft season time. It's This is the best. You know, it's like you have the long lead up to Christmas, basically. You know, it's like opening the, the calendar every day you get a chocolate. You know, watching these – you know, we were talking before the show, watching these prospects again, you know, like going through these guys covered these guys for three to four or five years and now now you get to watch the tape again dive even deeper into them and some of these guys down the board you know that you know we haven't seen as much of live you know just going through them again and and trying to find some sleepers you know last year we found james robinson and Legarius sneed in this process we'll see what we find you know it's it's a fun time of the year
0: the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters
2: Alright, well, let's get into it here. Time for some rookie quarterback matchmaking. Basically, we're going to go through the teams in the quarterback sweepstakes at the top of the draft. Thor will give us a scouting report on each player, and then Hayden will look at potential landing spots. So. Let's get the easy one out of the way here. The Jacksonville Jaguars went one and fifteen. They of course hold the number one pick in this draft. I can't remember a worse kept secret than this. Trevor Lawrence's pro day was of course on Friday. I think he's basically already on Jacksonville's roster. <laughs> Hayden, we'll talk to you in a minute about the team fit. First though, Thor, hit us with your scouting report on Lawrence and how his game might translate to the pros.
4: Oh, he's football Jesus. He was uh he was created in a lab. Um, you know, folks got, might have gotten to see his pro day on, on Friday, might have gotten to see Urban Meyer just sort of lurking, you know, five feet away from him the entire time. Uh, you know, that was I, I thought that was kind of funny. But, you know, and he's he's in shorts the entire time, of course, but he's just making jaw drop, dropping throws the entire time, which, of course, we saw in film when there was actually defenders there. But yeah, I mean, the kid was created in a lab. It's hard to find weaknesses in his game. Those are almost more interesting to talk about when you start nitpicking with them, because the strengths are, I mean, there's a catalog of them. You know, again, the, the kid was created in a lab. He's, he's got a perfect frame. He has shocking athleticism. You know, when he gets into the open field and stuff like that, super-duper surprising athleticism that really surprises defenders. Ludicrous arm talent. Absolutely ludicrous arm talent. He had a 97.7 PFF grade on on throws 20-plus yards downfield. I mean, just, just stupid. He's super patient going through his progressions. He'll throw to anyone. He's accurate to all levels of the field. You can go on and on with him. He's going to test windows everywhere. And when you start to go into the weaknesses, it's almost things that play into his strengths in a lot of ways. It's like things like he's going to throw uh force throws into tight windows because he trusts himself too much you know it's like the thing when you're in like a a a job interview and it's like you know what's your biggest weakness it's like you know i i try too hard that's some of lawrence's thing the only other things are like you know his his frame is a little you know thin you know as far as far as a guy who could be leaving the pocket you know it's 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 stuff like that but i mean this is as close to a you don't want to say perfect quarterback prospect because you know, everyone has some sort of, you know, bust potential or, or downside potential. But um, this is the best quarterback prospect that I've seen. You've heard this, but this is the best quarterback prospect I've seen since Andrew Luck. I mean, yeah, and that's why Vegas has Trevor
3: Lawrence. is like a minus 5,000 odds playing with the Jaguars. And that's, of course, where we'll, we'll be mocking him. And I think I think the, the one interesting fit with Urban Meyer versus some of the other um, NFL head coaches is like his reliance on, letting his quarterback make plays as a runner. And that's like one of the biggest, I think Lawrence's biggest strength just overall is just athleticism in general. I think he'll kind of clean up some of these like slender build things. I mean, when you're 21, you're going to be like 215 pounds. And I can attest to this four or five years later, all of a sudden you found 20 more pounds on your frame. So Trevor Lawrence will go through the same thing. And Urban Meyer, going back to Alex Smith at Utah, the Florida guys at Ohio State, he wants to use his runner or his quarterback as a runner. So, I think for fantasy purposes, Trevor Lawrence is going to see plenty of uh, carries. And the Jaguars also have a couple of things going for him $77 million in cap space, multiple first round picks. Their entire offensive line also has a chance to return if Cam Robinson is re signed or franchise tagged. And then they have two, two wide receivers DJ Chark, kind of a downfield threat, and then LaVisca Chenault, who Thor and I were both very optimistic about. Um, has a chance to develop even further. And especially with Urban Meyer, he, that's kind of the perfect coach for a LaVisca Chenault. So there's going to be no, no uh, secrets here. It's going to be to Jacksonville. And I think that the Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence fit makes a lot of sense just because I think Trevor Lawrence's athleticism is his biggest strength. And we've seen Urban Meyer time and time again Really, uh, get the most out of his athletic quarterback. so it's it's hard not to be at least relatively optimistic here.
4: I, I think you make a great point about about Chanel playing the uh, the sort of h back, you know Curtis Samuel role. Percy Harvin role in the, the Urban Meyer offense. I think that's going to be super fun. One one thing just out the door with Lawrence, he's going to have left labrum surgery here pretty soon. Um, one cool thing about him doing that pro day on uh, last Friday that I, I think just speaks really well to him is he didn't have to do a pro day. You know I mean? Like there's no impetus on these prospects to do a, a pro day. And he basically, I mean, he he did that by himself. It was the, the Trevor Lawrence day. He did that just because Urban Meyer basically just requested that he do a throwing session. Before he had that surgery, um, it looks like Lawrence is going to be healthy before camps open this summer. So that doesn't look like it's going to be a thing. Um, you know, he's just going to take care of this thing and he's going to rehab. Um, he's going to be good to go by the time camps open up. So that's, that's sort of a, a non-factor thing and good for the kid for going out there and competing and, and showing the world, you know, what he, I mean, not that he hadn't, but, you know, going out there and throwing anyway.
2: It's going to be a bizarre feeling, guys, to see competent and maybe even dynamic quarterback play in Jacksonville. It was a long year of bad quarterbacking between Mike Glennon, Gardner Minshew, and Jake Luton for the Jaguars. And by the way, to your point there, Hayden, Hayden, about the rushing upside, eight rushing touchdowns for Lawrence this last year, along with 24 passing touchdowns in just 10 games. And by the way, Thor, my go-to interview weakness is chewing ice. That's the one that I, <laughs> I will cop to in an interview. Sure. All right. After Trevor Lawrence, who is pretty much a tier unto himself, I think it becomes a debate mainly between Justin Fields and Zach Wilson. Let's just start with Fields because we need to start somewhere. He threw for 22 touchdowns in just eight games this season, ran for another five scores. Thor, what is your breakdown of Fields as a prospect?
4: Yeah, it's super interesting because coming in, right, uh, it was Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. They've always been together. You know, it's it's been 1A, 1B. The whole time coming in the high school recruiting class and then obviously Fields went to Georgia initially then transferred to Ohio State and then they're coming into the draft together. They both lived up to the hype uh, throughout their college careers whereas Lawrence is he's remained that that sort of one guy Uh, Fields now is going to have to fight Zach Wilson specifically maybe even Trey Lance if Trey Lance just has a a dynamite pre-draft process we'll see you know but we'll we'll talk about Lance in a second but Lance is one of those it only takes one kind of prospect. Um, but Fields is going to have to fight for that QB2 designation. And so, that, you know, that's going to end up being really interesting. But Justin Fields was one of the highest dual threat quarterback recruits of all time. You know, he, he wasn't just the, the, the highest dual threat in that class. He, he's one of the highest of, of all time. So he has an elite uh, blend of arm talent plus athleticism. His accuracy is also ludicrous. He had the highest accuracy uh, percentage of throws beyond the sticks by far uh, among these top four quarterbacks, like by 10% above the second highest guy, his throws that were on target um, tops in the class. You just talk about accuracy is what I think of with him and then broken down plays, He's really good as well. Um, I, I like that. He goes through all of his progressions. He's very, very methodical. He's another guy like Lawrence, where when you start to nitpick him, the weaknesses you talk about are things that dovetail off of his strengths, right? So like with fields, when you start to nitpick him, it's that he takes too many sacks or that He processes too slowly. Well, that's just coming off of because he's willing to go through all of his progressions or because there was a few games this season where he took a bunch of sacks. Um, Well, those games, you know, not only was it he was willing to go through all of his progressions, but it was also a contextual thing where um, Ohio State had a couple games where not only was their offensive line Uh, ravaged by COVID in a couple of games. There was one where they only had one active starting offensive lineman. There was another game where Olave was out and they had their third wide receiver was out. And then there was multiple games where they had numerous coaching staff folks were out. Um, and then, you know, numerous games where they had, you know, 15, 20 active guys, you know, just total on, on their roster was out. And so continuity, in addition to the talent that he was missing on the field, you know, his offensive personnel, et cetera That was an issue. So these two things sort of exacerbated and, and played off of themselves. The point I'm trying to make is I, I think that that issue is is a bit exacerbated. What what I like about him, again, is this is a dual threat kid who is willing to go through his progressions. He's willing to sit in the pocket. Not only that, ridiculous accuracy to all levels of the field. Um, he gets comps to Deshaun Watson, and I, I think those are fair. And again, you, you want to talk about the arm talent. Go back to the Clemson game. Arm talent and toughness. This is a kid who had a a throwing thumb injury from the Northwestern game in the Big Ten title game. And then you guys will recall he had his his midsection just turned into dust by James Skalski on that targeting hit right before halftime. A lot of quarterbacks, I don't know if they finished that game. Justin Fields missed one play and then he came back into the game. He was wincing, you know, the, the rest of the half. He was having a hard time, you know, even getting up off the ground and stuff like that. Um, he went into halftime. He came back out. He didn't look nearly in as much pain when he came back out a- after halftime. I, I think a uh, halftime injection might have helped with that. But he was making just dime throws, you know, after after halftime, 65 yards downfield, dropping it in a bucket. This kid has an amazing arm. And, again, the, the accuracy is insane. Um, he is going to have to, um, you know, work on the thing of, of maybe just getting it out a tag quicker, you know, maybe being a bit less, shall we say, methodical. But, again, I, I think that's a bit over. Blown, especially because this is a dual threat kid who can kill you with his legs outside of the pocket, who is willing to go through all of his progressions. Usually with dual threat quarterbacks at this age, you do not find that. I like Justin Fields a lot and he's going to be my quarterback too in this class.
3: Yeah. I mean, when you, he was the eighth best recruit all time, eighth best recruit all time. And then for my models, he's a 91st percentile quarterback prospect. This is like uh concerning who's been drafted in quarterback since like the last 15, 20 years. 92nd percentile strength of schedule, 80th percentile runner. All the tools are there. He's built well. Um, so there's some things to clean up. Like we said, like there's some footwork issues. There's a couple of decision-making issues. Some people have concerns about the Ohio State offense isn't uh, quite as challenging as some other offenses here. But you can only drop him so far um, down the list. I would be surprised if you got past like even like pick four, pick five. And basically what it comes down to is, are the Jets going to keep their second pick if they have Deshaun Watson? And if they do trade Deshaun Watson... Who is going to be there between Zach Wilson and Justin Fields? So that's going to be locking up the number two pick. I view the Panthers, they're sitting at number eight overall right now. I'm not sure if there's a veteran quarterback that's really suited for them if they can't get Deshaun Watson for them. And I'm not sure how much they trust Teddy Bridgewater long-term. He has basically no cap hit beyond this year. So I think that the Panthers are a team to watch to trade up for. So like right now, I think that... The Panthers trading up for Justin Fields like at third overall, maybe with the Dolphins, maybe the Falcons at number four over, overall are willing to trade down.
4: I think the Panthers are a team to watch here. And, and just jumping off of what Hayden said, Justin Fields is a guy who attacks downfield um, ruthlessly and is awesome at it. You know, his grades and his numbers are, are just ludicrous downfield. And he also does not turn the ball over. However, he only threw uh, 54 balls in his entire career in the tight windows. And this goes back into his thing of, you know, the methodical thing and waiting. In contrast to a guy like Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence has has a right arm from God. Justin Fields, in in a lot of ways, does as well. But they're different in that Trevor Lawrence, he's going to force it. Trevor Lawrence doesn't want to throw the ball away. He will force it because he thinks he can make any throw. Um, But Justin Fields is going to wait because Justin Fields thinks, I got these legs. I can get out of here. So I can wait until someone gets open. He does not want to force the ball because Justin Field doesn't want to throw the interception. In his head, it's always, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. Someone's going to get open. And if they don't, I can escape because I got Houdini's legs. Um, And sometimes that does get him into trouble. But there's a little bit different, you know, the way they play is a little bit different because of that. Um, But you're going to see less tight window throws because of Fields because of that. But, you know, I I think it's a little bit overblown, just the offensive uh, thing. I I think it's the Ohio State offense. I think that's just the way that Justin Fields plays a little bit. But that is something to watch because that's, again, that's a quirk of his game that he doesn't want to throw it into those windows. In the NFL, he's going to have to do it a little bit more. It's going to have to be, you know, become something that he becomes more comfortable with
2: well fields was absolutely electric in the sugar bowl win over trevor lawrence and clemson threw for 385 yards and six scores in that game just ridiculous didn't do quite so much in the national title game but one of those performances that reminds you what a ridiculous prospect he is as you guys were saying now another prospect near the top of most draft boards would be zach wilson he threw for 33 touchdowns against just three interceptions this year ran for another 10 scores but when you look at his college numbers, Thor, as a sophomore, just 11 touchdowns against nine picks, do you find yourself, as we get your scouting report, concerned that we've only seen him do it on such a high level for one year?
4: Yeah, I mean, there's the one-year wonder thing with him, right? And with with Wilson, he he struggled with injuries some earlier in his career. So that's something else you got to look into. He has a thinner frame, you know, so that that's going to play into it a little bit as well that you're going to have to think about as well. He had He had two injuries earlier in his career. But that being said, elite accuracy. He, he's one of the elite accuracy kids, um, and he's got 2020 field vision. He's looking all over the place, and he'll drop dimes anywhere on the field. So that's what you love about him. Um, he navigates the pocket super-duper well, and that's why he gets the comps to Tony Romo. He reminds me a little bit more of Tony Romo than, than Burrow, um, even though they both sort of got that comp. I mean, he just moving around the pocket, buying time, hitting the dimes anywhere. I mean, he'll throw it across the field, etc. cetera, um he got away with some things at BYU that I'm not sure he's going to be able to get away with at the NFL level. He's got very good arm strength, but it's not elite. You know, it's it's just sort of south of that. And so at BYU um, he had ludicrous numbers downfield. I mean, he he was able to just eat downfield, but not all of those throws he's going to be able to hit in the NFL. I mean, you, you can see it on tape, throws that he completed that are going to get picked off downfield if he if he tries that stuff there. Um, the velocity is just not quite there to make some of those throws that, that he was able to hit there. But, the, you know, again, the, the accuracy is going to be an A or an A-plus thing even in, at the NFL level. So he's just going to have to compensate just a little bit, you know, heading there. And, um, you know, some of that gamble that he has in him, um, he's just going to have to modify it slightly. You know, when he's, he's talking about some of these downfield type throws, because he's a guy who retains accuracy on the move and he retains his gamble on the move. So this is a guy who, when he's scrambling around, he's evading pressure, which he's great at. Um, he's always looking downfield and he's going to try to chuck it. You know, whether it's 40, 45, 50 yards downfield, sometimes across his body and sometimes across the field. Um, and again, you know, Dax Milne and some of those guys, they, they made plays and they, you know, some of these balls were thrown in a bucket, but sometimes Zach Wilson's got to put a little bit extra air under that ball because he doesn't quite have that velocity, quite that howitzer, like, for instance, Trevor Lawrence does. And again, you know, he got away with some of that stuff at BYU. And we're just going to have to see, you know, at the NFL, I think he's going to have to modify his game just slightly. But again, because of the accuracy, a lot of his game is going to translate because accuracy translates. Um, the durability is something to watch. But again, he's he's a very good prospect. An extremely eye-opening season this year. And again, a, a guy when you watch him reminds you a lot of Tony Romo. He's a super fun player to watch. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it was the perfect question you asked because like th- nothing about his profile
3: early on suggests that he was going to be in this conversation. He was the 958th consensus 24 uh, 7 sports recruit in, in 2018. That was a three star recruiting ranking. And then, like, his first two years struggled, some of these durability uh, concerns. And I think they have him at like 6'3, 215 on BYU's page. Give me the unders on those. I'm not sure if he looks that big. Just watching him, just like aesthetically, kind of like that Manzel type of thing, where it's like everything's about creating a big play. I think he has uh, more accuracy and is a better prospect, even just on the field than Manzel was. Cause I, I do think his arm strength is unreal for somebody, his size and his movement skills are unreal, but it comes down to the one thing among quarterbacks that have been drafted in the last 15 years. He has a 12th percentile strength of schedule. And I found that that, that that stat does matter. You want people playing at big universities. Like there's a reason why we were talking about Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence is they were supposed to be the guys from day one. They kind of lived up to these expectations. So I think you are taking on a little bit of uh, risk with Zach Wilson, With that said, I think that he was playing better than Justin Fields last year. Um, He checks a lot of these boxes for like this new age NFL offenses. So many RPO stuff. He's got all the arm talent, I think, to make these downfield throws, assuming he can hold up. So I don't see him sliding past maybe like pick four, pick five, pick six overall. And I think that um, right now a lot of people, Dane Brugler um, included, have Zach Wilson as the QB2 in their projections of where people are going to go. So right now – I think the Jets and Zach Wilson makes a lot of sense. I think that he would be awesome with Mike LaFleur in in New York and that new offense kind of stealing some principles from Shanahan. So Zach Wilson, I think, is going to end up being a top-five pick, and it's going to be a little bit risky just because of the, his overall profile. But last year, he was he was dynamite, and I think that his, his size is a concern a little bit, but he has way more arm talent for a guy built like him right now.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed?
2: All right, even though we are into the NFL offseason, unless, of course, you're Hayden and you're writing 32 columns in 32 days, we wanted to remind you that our premium product subscriptions at NBC Sports Edge cover all sports, so right now you can get access to NBA, NHL, college basketball, and MLB premium products as the baseball draft guide is now available. For 10% off any subscription, enter the promo code GOOD10. That's GOOD10 for 10% off. All right, guys, if there is a mystery quarterback and even more of a wild card than Zach Wilson at the top of this draft, it would probably be Trey Lance, who played just one game for North Dakota State this year. In 2019, though, 28 touchdown passes, zero interceptions, ran for another 14 touchdowns. What do you make of Lance as a pro prospect, Thor? Is some team making a risky bet going to win big here? This is
4: what the NFL draft is all about. Trey Lance right here. He's one of, in, in fact, he might be the most interesting draft case, perhaps of all time. Uh, Because you're talking about a historically inexperienced prospect coming in who's going to get taken at least in the top 15, perhaps even in the top 10. He has 17 FCS starts coming in and he's going to go in the top 15. Again, and maybe even in the top 10, we haven't seen that before. You know, a lot of times, I mean, FBS starts 17, you'd be calling him inexperienced. And this this kid, it's been against the FCS. But just talking about a ball of clay, they don't come much better than this. The kid's got an A-plus arm. I mean, just an absolute whip. Ideal frame, dual threat. Very good outside of the pocket, um, you know, running around. Not only is he fast, he can bounce off of people. Um, He's good inside of structure. He's good outside of structure. He's coming from a pro-style system, you know, that was similar to Josh Allen. Obviously, Josh Allen played for NDSU's coaching staff at Wyoming, uh, ex-coach Craig Bull there. And so uh, Lance has played, you know, he's played with a fullback. He's played under center. You know, he's done all that sort of stuff, the play action stuff, all all that sort of stuff. His numbers throwing downfield are awesome. And like you mentioned, you you want a guy that avoided turnovers. This guy had a 28 to 0 TDI and T ratio while he won the national title. I mean, that's he had a historical season in 2019. But like you mentioned, in, in 2020, NDSU basically didn't have a season. They played one game. And then, you know, Lance opted out for, you know, the spring season preparation or whatever. And so, again, he's coming in historically inexperienced. And it's going to be something of a a dart throw. You know, you talk about, like, boomer bust or, like, whatever. This is a guy who has an extremely, extremely, extremely high ceiling. um, And he has extremely high bust profile as well just because of all this stuff. But you watch him on tape. Like, the plays he makes outside of structure on broken plays and stuff like that throwing downfield – are some of the best plays you'll see just combination of his legs, his creativity and his arm strength are, are just amazing. But some team is going to, it's going to require some front office and some coaching staff. That's really feeling itself. You know, like uh, I'm not comping uh, Trey Lance to Pat Mahomes here, but Andy Reid and, and the chiefs were certainly feeling themselves when they traded up for Pat Mahomes and drafted him over Deshaun Watson. That was a huge risk. You know, at the time that was, that was a stunner on, on draft day we're going to have to see who ends up falling in love with Trey Lance. But like I said earlier, it just takes one team and there's going to be a team that ends up falling in love with Trey Lance. Um, We don't know where he's going to go. He is the wild card. And I think people just assume he's going to be QB four. I'm not convinced of that. I think Trey Lance could go anywhere from QB two, QB three, QB4, maybe QB5. I'm not sure, but I, I think I'd probably bet closer to the, the higher end of that range, just because ceilings don't come much higher than this, just in terms of, of the package. This is a guy who's getting comp to Steve McNair quite a bit, and you can see why. You know, when, when you watch him on tape, it's sort of eerie when, when you look at the strengths. You know, if, if, if he ends up hitting the ceiling, it's going to be a similar type player. Very fun player who's who's from my neck of the woods. He's from Marshall, Minnesota, and the Minnesota Golden Gophers did not want to give him a scholarship to play quarterback, which I'm going to be heartbroken about until the day I die. Very fun player. Very fun player.
3: Yeah, talking about that the Minnesota upbringing. He ran the wing T offense in high school and did it with like tons of success. And like you mentioned, all the Power Five FBS schools or non FBS schools that were giving him offers wanted him to play linebacker, and he kind of believed on himself, believed in himself as a quarterback, and that's kind of. I mean, that's kind of how he plays at at quarterback, too. Like, he's a big, big, beefy guy. I think he's probably the best raw dual threat quarterback in this class, just as a pure rusher. He just needs time. And I'm not sure if there's going to be any team that's going to be willing to uh, start him as a rookie, at least like for the entire season. Maybe there's like an instance where you get like five or six games down the stretch. But his footwork is sloppy, his processing is sloppy. That game he had in 2020, unfortunately, was not a good one for him. There was not the major improvements, but at the same time, you're talking about a 20 year old prospect who his best season was better than any of Carson Wentz's seasons at NDSU. So obviously there's it's a, it's a ceiling play. It's kind of hard to find teams that are, that kind of fit that mold just because you have the three guys that are likely to go ahead of them. And that kind of takes a lot of these uh, top 10 teams off the list here. So like, maybe it's like the Patriots, maybe it's the 49ers and you're kind of talking about the teens. And if it's not them, like the football team, the Bears, I'm not sure if the Bears, the their GM wants to go into another project here. I don't think he has the time to do that. So maybe it's like the Colts or the, the Steelers want to make a move. But it, it's really hard to find a true fit for him right away. And that's why I'm I'm kind of curious if like there's going to be this like Jordan Love kind of slip where a raw guy, he definitely seems like a player that doesn't want to be, you don't want to be starting him in year one. And do you slide him down the draft board like what we saw with Jordan Love, who ultimately, I think, Fell to like twenty six, and I think a lot of early into the the pre-draft stuff, you were seeing him mocked in like the top ten. And maybe it's it's a little bit harder to find a match. I'm assuming that he's going to be the fourth or fifth quarterback, and not one of the top three guys. Just because those top three guys, they also have a, a, elite ceilings, but they're just like ready to play uh, week one relative to Trey Lance, who I I would be guessing is not going to play too much next season.
4: Yeah, I don't, I I don't think there's any chance he's the fifth. And like I said, I do think there's a shot that he usurps one of those guys. I'm I'm not saying, you know, right now, obviously, the chalk would be four. um, And I'm not saying that he does. I just think that there's a shot he does because of the ceiling. I think the difference between him and Love is – the the season coming in with Love and his draft class, what he throw 16 interceptions. That yeah, was bad. It yeah. Was bad. And so like the tape that Love was submitting to the NFL was you had just so many instances of just really, really bad decision making where Lance it, it's not the same thing. L- Lance is a really good decision maker. What what Lance has to improve on, you you mentioned it. There's some things that, that have to do with uh, technical fine-tuning. It's things with his footwork, um, it's things with his ball placement. Those things do have to get better. But as far as decision-making, he's really good. You know, again, like things that delve into strengths and weaknesses where they come off of each other. One thing that he does, he does bail out of the pocket sometimes a little bit too early. But again, like... 2019. It was the first year starting, right? Like again, we, you know, we, we go back to historically inexperienced the team that takes him. You're you're going to have to be okay with probably sitting him on the bench for the first year. You know, sort of like a Lamar Jackson thing. But you know what? What I would tell folks is this kid is different than Lamar Jackson. What he's more similar to is again Josh Allen. He's coming out of a, a pro style system. So you know, when when you think about uh Lance, you know, you might think about what sort of system to put him in. I would put him in a, you know, again, like a pro-style, run-heavy kind of offense, you know, a heavy kind of offense, I I would probably want an H-back or a fullback in there, um, in addition to an inline uh, tight end. NDSU, you'll hear this a lot when people talk about Trey Lance, that he was protected. I'm not sure that's fair, because that's just the way that NDSU runs runs their offense. But they did run, you know, 55-60% of the time, a lot of the times. But, you know, in the NFL, I wouldn't be averse to him being on a a run-first team, because, that plays into his strengths, right? Like, if you have, in the same way of Lamar Jackson, like, if you have him on a team where it's, you know, run, run, play action, throwing downfield, and then, you know, read option, now Lance is running out the back door, stuff like that, you can start to stress the defense horizontally, vertically, et cetera. That's the team that he needs to be on. A a team like that, I think, is going to suit Lance the best in the the sort of team that's going to end up falling in love with him, I think.
2: And to that end, Thor, you raise a great point. I mean, it only takes one team. I think that the team that falls in love with Lance and ends up taking him is going to be massively important and really telling. Just to use an NBA analogy, you know, every time the San Antonio Spurs draft a prospect, I'm like, oh, wow. And, you know, they'll, they'll take a player like, you know, DeJounte Murray. Now I'm really into basketball. But like, no one was thinking about that guy. They take him in the first round and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, this prospect's better than everyone thought. So, if a smart team or a front office that we think of as savvy takes Lance, you know, you use the Casey Mahomes analogy, then Hayden, I think that's where you go. Whoa. Okay. This just got a lot more interesting.
3: Yeah. Cause I, I don't think that he's just like scheme independent where you just want him to drop back all these times, at least early on, just because he has like zero experience doing that. Like there was a couple games where he was just, they, I mean, they ran the ball a lot at NDSU and I think that was best for him. I mean, Truly, I, I think he's the best runner here, and I think that that gives you some semblance of a floor. I mean, Trey Lance is not a floor-based prospect at all, but at least for, like, fantasy uh, – like, if you're talking about dynasty rankings and stuff, there's there's a chance that he has, like, a Jalen Hurts-ish type of run where, like, maybe not every offense is perfect for him, but he can do some of these power running, running stuff that none of these other quarterbacks can do, and I think that he has plenty of arm talent to reach a ceiling a la Josh Allen. So I think it's just going to take some time. He's not going to be for everybody – um, but all like Thor keeps mentioning, all it takes is just one team. And we saw it with Josh Allen, I think that we can d- definitely see that with Trey Lance as well.
2: All right. The last quarterback among five that we're going to discuss here today, Mac Jones threw for 4,500 yards, 41 touchdowns, just four interceptions this past season. He is the one guy in this top five who doesn't offer any upside rushing 42 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns total during his time at Alabama. So Thor, how do you break down Mac Jones, the passer and the prospect?
4: Yeah, he's an interesting prospect. Obviously, you know people probably have seen uh, Mac about as much as anyone out, you know outside of Trevor Lawrence. He he has the best underneath accuracy probably in, in this class within ten yards. Deadly accurate down there. You know, as anyone who's who's watching him throwing the ball to Devonta Smith knows. There was a really interesting article uh, recently on PFF by Seth Galina that basically illustrated that as a thrower, he is basically two as equal um, outside of reading the field. He's better. But accuracy, Tua is superior. And I mean, watching the game, you, you know, you can see that. The only thing I would add to that is Tua has a mobile aspect to his game um, that, as you mentioned, is non existent in, in Mac Jones's game. Mac Jones is a statue as pocket passer. He, he does not want to leave the pocket whatsoever, but he's, he, you know, he's really good at reading the defense. Um, one of Tua's bugaboos was he would get caught throwing the ball to lurking guys in the zone. He, he just wouldn't recognize him. You know, he's just sort of blind to it. And, and he would throw pickoffs, you know, to guys like that. Jones doesn't get caught doing that. But his ball placement, his accuracy is not always there. Um, and of course he doesn't have the howitzer arm either, you know, so he doesn't have any athleticism to speak of and the arm isn't a howitzer, but you're talking about a guy who's, you know, again, like, you know, within 15, 20 yards, very, very accurate, obviously pedigree, you know, in in, in terms of that coming up in, in Alabama, just had one of the, the better seasons that we've seen recently. Um, he's definitely going to be quarterback five for me. To me, he's, he's a clear step down from these other guys, just because of um, the lack of tools that he has coming with him. You look at the guys that he played, With, I mean, last season, and you know, we talked about Zach Wilson as a one-year wonder. Well, Mac Jones, of course, he's he's a one-year wonder. You know, this was his you know, one-year starting, etc. But whereas, you know, Zach Wilson was playing with BYU's kids, Mac Jones is playing with some of the I mean, you know, he was playing with historically great players. Not only that, Steve Sarkeesian is one of the better, obviously, offensive coordinators in college football the last decade. Nick Saban's probably the best head coach in college football history. So um, Mac Jones is an an interesting guy, but he's more of a round two guy for me. I I know he's moved up on a lot of other people's boards, but if people are concerned about Tua – you know, and, and using a top five thing and, and people are already concerned about his career, Tua is a better prospect than Mac Jones is. He can do more things than Mac Jones. We we saw him in the same the same system, you know, two is just Mac Jones with more mobility and better ball placement. And again, Mac's a little bit better at reading the field, but that's, they are similar prospects in terms of that, but that's, you know, that's sort of the delineation point there. But just because of the lack of mobility um, and the, the lack of ball placement and the lack of howitzer arm, I would be dropping him down beneath the other four guys. And to me, he would be sort of like a high late end first round if, it, you know, if you want to trade up there or high second round for me. Yeah, Mac, Mac Jones is the quarterback where how do you evaluate
3: somebody that you can think could be like maybe the 10th best quarterback in the league, but finding somewhere where he goes into like becomes a top five quarterback that seems maybe not within his range of outcomes. But I do think that he's – I think he could be a franchise quarterback. And he he showed more when I watched him than I was anticipating. The one thing we just keep talking about is uh, among all of the quarterbacks that have been drafted the last 15 years, first percentile rushing production, like first percentile. Like we're talking about like historically bad – uh mobility here so that's the one thing that you obviously have concern but just look, looking at fits there's there's a couple teams that i can see like the the one that immediately jumps out to me is the colts and mac jones when you have a win now roster and I, I think that mac jones is more of a win now quarterback where he can like keep you elevated because i think he's very advanced and like you said it's the coaching staff at alabama he's waiting in line there for a while and everything about his game was like everything came out on time um, he was very accurate. Some Sometimes those balls where he's trying to throw it all the way to the sidelines, it kind of drifts towards more to the hashes. He doesn't have that elite arm strength by any means. That kind of, That's why he's not being talked about as like a top five prospect. But I can see a team like the football team, uh, the Steelers possibly, the Saints. Like these are the type of teams that are just like looking for a guy that they can have a chance to win a playoff game within these next year or two. And I think that Mac Jones, there are some very obvious fits where I would be very surprised if he wasn't a first round pick just because there's not that many veterans that are on, on the market outside, of like a Deshaun Watson, maybe like a Carson Wentz, maybe a Derek Carr, Marcus Mariota. But outside of that, there's not like this go-to free agent. And I think that Mac Jones, one or two of these teams are going to be looking that have playoff rosters. And they're be like, all right, who's going to be our quarterback? And I think that Mac Jones offers that like stability factor in years one, two, and three, just because he's so advanced. So he's definitely very interesting. Um, him and Trey Lance could not be further apart and their evaluations but i think that they're going to be very close to where they're drafted and i think there's gonna be very split opinions even within nfl organizations. so it's gonna be very it's like very hard to project where they're gonna go but i think that anywhere trey lance and mac jones from like eight down to like 32 would be like the window for both of these guys and i can see them uh ranked completely differently
4: depending on who you talk to and just one other uh, stat to toss in there about Mac Jones, he had 600 more yards to open receivers last year than any other quarterback in the nation. So a lot of, a lot of scheme production from Steve Sarkeesian and then a lot of D- Devonta Smith had about, he had way more screen yards than any other receiver in the nation. Mac Jones had a lot of free yards, uh, you know, as well, scheme things and then, and then stuff from his playmakers as well.
2: The contrast here is pretty funny. We've been talking about all these dual threats, howitzer arms, great mobility and speed. Then it's Mac Jones. Who to hear you guys say it and to hear you say it a minute ago, Hayden has everything except for a strong arm and any mobility whatsoever.
3: <laughs> I know it is. It is wild. But I, I keep going back to it. he had more arm strength than I was anticipating because like I was like I was watching him just like on TV, just like how everybody else was, and then you see the scouting reports as like no arm at all. I'm not sure if he has like no arm at all. I think he has like an NFL arm, not like a crazy NFL arm by any means. But I think that with the right team around him on a rookie deal, I think that Mac Jones can win a couple of games here. Obviously it's going to be very dependent. If he's just going to have to drop back 50 times a game and he has no weapons, like that's not the environment that you want Mac Jones in. But I think that like the Colts are like, all right, we have the pieces on defense. Let's just fire him in there and see what we have for the next two, three years.
2: All right, that is going to do it for us. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. You can follow these guys on Twitter, at Thorku, T-H-O-R-K-U, and at Hayden Winks. Check out their work on NBC Sports Edge. Fellas, anything specific to promote on the site before we get out of here? Hayden? Off-season previews,
3: uh, the link's on there. I'll be tweeting them out. Yeah, that's all I'm working on right now.
4: I'll be having scouting reports by position uh, coming up here, starting with quarterbacks all the way through safeties, mock drafts. Come check us out. Yeah, and uh, Klassen's got his his quarterback class stuff. Farotan's going to be having some deep sleeper stuff. So, yeah, come and check us out at NBC Sports Edge. We're going to have plenty of draft stuff to have you guys covered.
2: Okay, Hayden, Thor, thanks for taking the time, guys. Thanks to all of you for
4: listening. We will talk to you
2: soon.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble.